I'm Kimberly Amici. Welcome to the Build Your Best Family podcast. This is a practical show to help you imagine, plan, and build your best family. We believe that the secret to having a happy family is not being perfect, but having purpose. Each week, I'll be sharing with you lessons I've learned and conversations I've had that will help you become who you want to be together. Today, I'm talking about the secrets of a successful blended family with Joel Hawbaker. When two people get married, they bring together two different cultures. Each has different family traditions, a particular way they connect with others and solve problems. They may even have different personal core values. But the beautiful part about this new relationship is sorting through and combining those things together to establish a new family. As a couple, as parents, you get to decide what you want your family to look like. You can establish your values and the practices that surround those values. But What happens when your family isn't just two parents and the kids? What if it involves ex-spouses and children from another relationship? What if you're raising your niece or your nephew or you've adopted and their birth parents are still in the mix? It can get tricky. Today's guest is here to talk to us specifically about blended families and how to overcome the obstacles that they often have. He shares with us the foundational principles of successful blended families, what he calls the Ten Commandments for Blended Families. He also shares with us a powerful question we can ask that can immediately have a positive impact on our circle of people. What he shared with us is 100% applicable to any family, so don't turn this podcast off if you're not a blended family. No matter what your family looks like, it is essential to determine what is important to you and to keep your focus on the why of what you're doing and in different situations so that you can be flexible in the what. Joel unpacks why this matters when kids live under different roofs with different rules. I'd like to challenge you with this one question. What's one thing that I can do to honor and respect the others in my life? Let's talk more about this on Instagram or in the Build Your Best Family Facebook group. And if you have a friend who's part of a blended family, share this episode with them. I think it will be super beneficial. I know I certainly have learned a lot from this conversation. Are you struggling to keep track of everything that's going on in your family? I get it. Managing everyone's expectations and schedules can be challenging. However, a regular family meeting can change that. These weekly check-ins enable you to approach each week with purpose and more connected to one another. If you need help getting started, download our free family meeting packet, which includes sample agendas and discussion topics. Go to www.buildyourbestfamily.com to get your copy today. Today, I'm talking with Joel Hawbaker. Joel is a blended family coach, an award-winning teacher, author, speaker, and a frequent podcast guest who loves helping blended families and stepfamilies overcome obstacles and grow by teaching them the 10 commandments of blended family life. These are universal principles that families can apply immediately to begin seeing positive changes. His first book, Inverted Leadership, Lead Others Better by Forgetting About Yourself, was number one bestseller on Amazon. He is currently at work on a book about blended families, as well as a 31-day devotional for blended families. Joel is a divorced and remarried father of two. He currently lives in Alabama with his wife, his two daughters, and their two rescue dogs, Bruiser and Butterscotch. Good morning, Joel. It is fantastic to have you here on the podcast today. Kimberly, thank you for having me. I'm excited about chatting with you and hopefully your listeners will get something out of it as well. 
Yeah. So I want to start off with a question that I ask all of our guests, and that mm-hmm. is, what is your family known for? Well, my family's known for a couple different things. My daughters have played sports their whole lives, specifically soccer, because I coach it. And so one of the things my family is known for is me yelling at soccer games, which is not something I'm terribly proud of. But like all of my daughter's friends don't call me Mr. Hallbaker. They call me Coach Hallbaker mm-hmm. because I, I coached most of them when they were little kids and, and then growing yeah. all the way up. You know, but in a more serious note, I think that my family is known mm-hmm. for trying to reach out to others. That's something that is, you know, really big in both households, trying to serve and trying to help and, and being willing to go out of our way to provide what is necessary for, for people that need it. That's something that mm-hmm. my dad was really big on. We're recording this on Veterans Day. My dad was a 20-year Army veteran, and, and my mom was in the reserves for 10 or 15 years as well. Wow. And so service is something that's been very big to our family. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was a kid, we never went to a church function without dad having us show up early and stay late to, you know, put the chairs and the tables up or to take them down and to sweep or whatever yeah. it was. That was just what we did. And so I try to do a lot of those same things with my kids in terms of, you know, we we are there to serve, we're there to help. And I've been very thankful that they picked up on a lot of that. The, the other thing that's really funny is we're known for having a whole bunch of random knowledge. I'm a history teacher <laughs> and my kids have never made it through a dinner at our house without them saying something and me saying, well, did you know? Yeah. And then just... And so, and so they are, they, they'd be, they would be great at trivia night. They'd be great on like a kid's version of Jeopardy, mm-hmm. especially if, you know, if the topics included things like history or Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter, like <laughs> we'd be, we'd be pretty golden there. Oh my gosh. I love that. I had a friend when I was after in college, actually, and then after college, and he was like a walking encyclopedia. Like we would watch Jeopardy and it would just come mm-hmm. off his tongue. And so <laughs> I can just, I'm just envisioning your family. <laughs> <laughs> we thinking do. about that kind of knowledge. Yeah. And a bunch of it's just random. It's not necessarily, you know, systematized, but it's just random right. stuff that we've come across in books and that we talk yeah. about. And so, yeah, but we, you know, we have a lot of fun. I'm very thankful for that. My, my wife and, and her family is also known for doing a whole lot of service. Her mom is one of the most giving people mm-hmm. I've ever met. Mm-hmm. And, and, and obviously her daughter is the same way. So I'm very thankful that my kids have a lot of great role models to look yeah. to for, for service and stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay. So I'm excited because you're here to talk to us about blended families. And, you know, when I talk about family culture, Mm -hmm. I only know from experience what it's like to build culture when you have one single family, when you don't have those outside influences. So when you Mm -hmm. have a blended family, there's so many other things to consider. So let's start off by talking, telling us what is a blended family? Because I think there's a, there's a few different things that fall under that category. Exactly. Yeah. And that's actually why I use the term blended family instead of step family. A step family is a blended family, but not every blended family is a step family. So for for example, when I speak about blended families, you do have your step families, but you've Mm -hmm. also got families that have adopted kids or fostered kids or something along those lines, because those are also different kind of blends. So within my extended family, we have both of those. My older brother has two biological daughters and a foster son. And then my wife's older brother actually has two biological kids and then two adopted children from China. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, those are different types of blends as well, because those are not your traditional nuclear or first family. And so as a result of that, the issues that come up are different than they would be in a first family. I just actually Mm -hmm. interviewed someone on my podcast about this last night, and we talked about how premarital counseling is a wonderful thing. 
But if you're if you're doing premarital counseling for a second marriage, if you're about to be creating a new blended family, mm-hmm. the issues that you are going to face, not might yeah. face, but you're going to face, the issues yeah. you're going to face are different than yeah. what you would see in a first family. Because in a first family, you're not really having to deal a whole lot with another household having mm-hmm. half the time with your kids or an ex or you know bringing in kids from two different groups who are now supposed to be living under the same roof, at mm-hmm. least somewhat peacefully. And so the the issues that come up are different. And, and so that blended family umbrella covers all of those different situations. I mentioned before we started the uh, interview that the high school I teach at is called Westbrook Christian, and it's associated with a place called the Big Oak Boys and Girls Ranch. Mm-hmm. And those are blended families. So what you have at the ranch, you have a biological family, typically mom and dad, and anywhere from one to three kids. And then living in the same ranch house, you have anywhere from like two to six ranch mm-hmm. children. So those are kids, uh, Big Oak Ranch is known for, uh, it's known as a Christian home for kids who need a chance. And so the kids who are there are kids who were uh, abused or abandoned or both or things like that. And and so this is where they are. And each of those is a blended family because you have mom and dad and biological kids, but then you also have kids from other families mm-hmm. of different ages and different backgrounds and you know different ethnicities all living in the same house. Well, that's a blended family. Yeah. And so all of those things come together in that kind of umbrella term. Uh, mm-hmm. And that, that's why we use that one. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. So my mother-in-law, after my husband's father died, married, mm-hmm. remarried, and married a Jewish man. Mm-hmm. So even though my husband was not raised with his stepbrother and stepsister, like we don't even call them that because they right. never lived under the same roof. Yeah. But there has been a blending of even mm-hmm. traditions because they're Jewish. And so yep. we'll often, when when Passover overlaps with Easter, we will have mm-hmm. a kosher turkey on Easter. Like right. like our menu changes, how we observe the holidays, kind mm-hmm. of like has ebbed and flowed. Yeah. And, and we haven't faced some of the challenges because everybody kind of came together as adults. Right. But but we do have to be considerate that mm-hmm. we that you know my husband's siblings weren't raised in the same kinds of home. Right. You yeah. know and, and so the so, expectations are different. Yeah. Yeah, they are. And it's been it's been fun to navigate that in terms of like learning about them, learning mm-hmm. about their experience. Yeah. So I love yeah, this. That's excellent. Well, I love that you mentioned that. One of the things that I teach, the primary sort of core teaching that I do is called the Ten Commandments for Blended Families. Mm-hmm. And you just touched on one of them, which is to always show respect. Yeah. And and that means respect for other traditions, respect for other family habits. Right. Yeah. And so when you have especially and, and that's one of the I've got a tool that I give out. It's called the Complete Blended Family Toolkit. It's a resource that I share. Mm -hmm. And one of the things in there is a list of five discussions that every blended family needs to have. And you touched on one of them, which is what do we do with family traditions, especially if there are differences in Mm -hmm. history or religion that you need to take into account. Yeah. Right. And that's wonderful that you guys have been able to do that so well in terms of, okay, well, they come from a different religious background, and that means we need to be respectful of it Mm -hmm. and not just try to superimpose our views on them or Mm -hmm. expect them to go along with our traditions. But let's find a way to blend those things. Let's find a way to acknowledge and accept both of them Mm -hmm. while while being respectful about that. I think that's wonderful that you guys have been able to do that. And, And certainly it was probably easier in that sense that you guys, that they came together as adults yeah. because that, you know, it's a lot harder when you got a, like you said, you, you got a 12 or 13 year old and you go, okay, so how are we celebrating Christmas this year? Yeah. Are we celebrating Christmas? Are we celebrating Hanukkah? How are we doing both? If we're going to do like, those are, you know, <laughs> yeah, so, um, oh it, it helps that they were, that there were adults when, when they came together, but those are some of the questions that blended families face that again, first families don't. 
Yeah. You know, first families may face questions of what do we do for Christmas? And right. that's, a, that's a difficult, that can be a complicated question yeah. anyway. Because in the beginning, you are bringing two That's backgrounds right. together, two families. Absolutely. And yeah. we all have gotten into, I'm sure, arguments with our spouse where we're That's like, right. That's not the way we do it. And That's we're not right. like, real, like, real tree or fake tree? Do you decorate yeah. after, after Thanksgiving? Or, we make you know, two kinds of, of stuffing my grandma's That's, stuffing oh, and your grandma's talk. stuffing. That's right. That's the big fight. <laughs> I right like there. dressing. I don't even like stuffing. I want it That's outside right. the turkey. Yep. And, and I want and it do done you do like a pumpkin pie or a pecan pie? Right, right. These are big issues. That's funny. All right. So we've already established blended families are different. They require Mm -hmm. a unique approach in order to be successful. So you have a handful of foundational principles, but I wanted Mm -hmm. you to share with us just two for today. Certainly. So there's two core principles that undergird the entire 10 commandments that I teach in the same Mm -hmm. way that if you look at the old Testament, there were 10 commandments, right? Mm -hmm. We know that Moses got given those and and, okay. So there were 10 of those, but then Mm -hmm. in the new Testament, someone's trying to trip Jesus up and they say to him, okay, so which of the laws is the most important or what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, well, well, that's easy. Love the Lord, your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself, right? Love God, love people. Well, in the same way, I have these 10 commandments, but they rest on two pillars. And Mm -hmm. if these two pillars are the general principles, right? So the first one is very simple, and that is to be the adult that you want your children to become. Mm -hmm. Be the adult you want your children to become. And that doesn't mean necessarily that I want both of my kids to grow up to be exactly like me in terms of my career choices, mm-hmm. right? If they, if they don't want to be high school teachers and soccer coaches, that's okay. What I mean by that is set the example for how you love God and how you love people. That's yeah. the example you should be setting for your children. So if you mm-hmm. want your children to grow up to be uh, men and women of integrity, if you want them to read their Bible, if you want them to be part of a, a you know a, a Christian assembly that is serving and helping other people, mm-hmm. if you want them to treat other people kindly and respectfully, then you need to be modeling those things. Yeah. Consistently throughout their lives, you know, as early as as you get them, whether you were the biological parent or if you've married in and you are now the step parent, or or both, because a lot of people are both because they marry people that already have kids. You need to be setting that example for them. So that's Mm -hmm. the first one: is be the adult Mm -hmm. you want your kids to become. That's good. And the second one is very similar. It's what we all learned in kindergarten, right? And that is to remember the golden rule and treat others the way that you would want Mm -hmm. to be treated. And that's, you know, that's something that obviously it's in the Bible, but a lot of people don't realize that golden rule is really a universal principle. Every every civilization that's ever existed anywhere in the world has some version of the golden rule. Yeah. Um, And you can go back and look. There's a great book. uh, It's actually about education by C.S. Lewis called The Abolition of Man. And in the back of that book, he has an appendix where he lists the different sort of different ways of saying the golden rule from like 20 different civilizations from the ancient world up through the modern world. And it's really interesting to see that really every civilization everywhere has wow. some version of the golden rule. Well, wow. in a blended family, that's extra important because you got you to gotta think every blended family comes from a place of pain. That's one of the key things that I I have to get people to understand, whether it's the pain of loss. Like I just interviewed a lady the other day who married into a blended family because her now husband's first wife passed away a couple years ago. Mm. Well, that blended family is dealing with the pain of that loss. Yeah. Or it could be the pain of going through a divorce or maybe maybe even your spouse just left. Maybe it was pain of abandonment. But every blended family comes from a place of pain. And so that means we need to ask ourselves the question, if I was feeling like that. 
How would I want to be treated? How would I want to be spoken to? How would I want to be respected? How would I want to be shown love? And that's what we need to start thinking about is empathy. Good. Yeah. And so those are the two principles that I teach. Again, be, be the adult you want your kids to become and love other people the way that you would want to be loved or treat other people the way that you would want to be treated. Yeah, those are good. All right. So you've mentioned these 10 commandments. We don't have time to talk about all of them, but that's okay. Cause I think that you make those available. You're making those available Absolutely. to our listeners. Yes, ma'am. Okay. They're, uh, you can find them on my website or you can okay. email me and I'll send you the whole toolkit. That's got those in there as well. All right. Awesome. So share with us just now, maybe just three of them. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple that I want to touch on because they, they're broad categories, but there's a few that are really, really extra key that I want to point out. The first one is uh, commandment number one, that is to communicate well. And that means both how you communicate in terms of the method that you use, but also the attitude with which you communicate, mm-hmm. right? So you need to communicate well, and that means find a format or a technology that works. If you're, you know, if you're in a place where you just really can't even stand to see the other person, then learn to get really good at leaving each other voicemails. And the reason I say voicemails is because text messaging there's, you can't read tone. Yeah. You can't read tone into text messaging. And, and unfortunately, if you're hurting the grid through which you're going to read every text message is pain and anger and resentment and frustration and hurt. And, and so I, I encourage people to communicate well. And that means the other part of that is how often do you communicate or, you know, what do you tell the other household about? And the, the, the idea there is, you know, when in doubt, communicate about it. Do they really mm-hmm. need to know about this? If, if there's any question, yes. Yes. If they yeah. don't want to know about that, they'll tell you. That's exactly yeah. right. Over-communicate. Yeah. Have you that, heard of the app Voxer? Yes. Yes. Voxer's so that's great. great. Yep. Especially that's what I actually use in my coaching. Okay, good. Because when I go through seasons with my husband where I'm like, like it helps to leave messages <laughs> because then I can get everything I have to say out. He's not yep. being dismissive or like being annoyed by yep. what I'm saying. He's, He's also like, not interrupting you like husbands yes, tend to do. Yes, Not that I... And then he has a chance to process what I say before he responds or I have a chance to process. So if he listens to my messages on his commute home, which he doesn't have mm-hmm. anymore thanks to COVID, by the time he gets home, he already knows like, where I've been, where I'm coming from, what's in my heart, what's what's bothering me. And so he can kind of approach me very differently. So I love that idea that you're using of like leaving messages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good because, and I know like I get frustrated too, because if somebody doesn't have time to talk about what I want to talk about in that moment, right. it can be frustrating or I lose the momentum about it and being able to leave a message. And I can, I can only imagine in a blended family situation, being able to leave the message when it's most urgent for you, when there's things that you want to convey. Mm-hmm is, is, is wonderful. It's just mm-hmm. so helpful when it comes to communicating. Yeah, that's a, and I love that you mentioned Voxer cause that is, that's a very powerful tool to be able to do exactly what you just said, which is mm-hmm. to leave a message of what's on your heart, but to be able to do so in a way that is good for both of you. Cause they can listen to it mm-hmm. when they listen to it. Mm-hmm. They don't have to, they don't have to hear it right now just cause you need to say it right now, but you yeah. also don't have to sit on it for two weeks until you get the chance to talk to them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That kind of thing. So yeah, the first one I want to mention is communicate well. The second one is actually commandment number five, and that is to choose to believe the best about the other household, right? A lot of people don't think about that, but we choose what we believe. Mm -hmm. We choose what facts we want to focus on. We choose what historical examples we want to use. As a history teacher, I'm very sensitive to this idea. Oh, I bet. We choose what to believe because... People think history is all about memorizing dates and names and facts, and that's garbage. It's not. It's mm-hmm. about interpreting the names and the mm-hmm. dates and the facts, right? Which ones yeah. do you focus on? Which ones do you leave out? Which ones do you emphasize? That kind of stuff. Yeah. We do that in our relationships because here's the thing. I'm divorced and remarried, so please, listeners, don't think that I'm trying to be holier than thou or that I don't 
you know, I, I've never made any mistakes. Like I'm divorced for a lot of reasons. And many of those reasons are because I screwed up. So I'm not trying to talk down to anybody, but here's the thing. We choose what we want to remember about other people. We choose what Mm. we focus on. And it would be really easy for me to just, whenever I'm angry at my ex-wife, it'd be really easy to just say, well, she did this and she did this and I hated this. And right. Or I could choose to remember that she's also the mother of my kids. And I didn't always feel about her the way that I might right now. Mm, There was a time when I felt very differently about her. And if I can choose to at least believe some of those things, then that's going to change the way that I interpret what she sends to me. So if she sends Mm -hmm. me a text message and I can read it one of two ways, if I choose to read it in the kind way, that makes a big difference in how I respond. In fact, my my wife and I now, we have a code for this because my superpower, by the way, Kimberly, is the ability to unintentionally anger women of all (laughs) ages. It's wonderful. I'm so good at it. I don't even have to try. You could be a three-year-old toddler or a 98-year-old granny in a nursing home, and I'm really good at accidentally saying or doing something that will tick you off if you have two X chromosomes. I'm wow. really good. <laughs> yeah, it's it, listen, as with a wife, an ex-wife, and two teenage daughters, it's a gift. Let me, oh let me just tell you. Uh, also, just for fun, I also coach girls travel soccer. My older daughter plays for me. So I have 18 teenage girls that I coach a couple of Wow. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that superpower is a brilliant thing. Let me just tell you. So here's the code. Whenever I say something to my wife that could be taken one of two ways, I say to her beforehand, I say, I mean this nice. Right. Like if, this, if this could be taken well or poorly, I promise I meant it in a nice way. Yeah. And, and here's why that's so important. C.S. Lewis wrote in Mere Christianity, a real desire to believe all the good you can of others and to make others as comfortable as you can will solve most of the problems. Mm, a lot of the time, what we actually get offended at is not the other person's actions. It's how mm. we chose to interpret their actions. Yeah, That's on us. And yeah. even, if even if their action was offensive, we can choose not to be offended by it. We yeah. can choose not to play a victim. We can choose not to react out of hurt and anger. Yeah. So that's the second one to share is choose to believe the best. And then the last one that I want to share here is to be consistent. Be as consistent as possible mm-hmm. at both ha- or all houses in all areas of life. And, and what I mean by that is not that you have to do everything exactly the same way. You can't because here's the thing. It's not my job to parent my kids when they're at their mom's house. Mm-hmm. It's not because if yeah. it is, it's also her job to parent them when they're at my house. And that's not it either. Right. Yeah. And so what that means when I say be consistent is what you're looking for is consistency of values, if not consistency in the specific way those values get uh, mm. modeled or exhibited, right? Yeah. So for example, when our kids were younger, they had uh, bedtimes. I mean, they're 13 and 16 and still have bedtimes, but it's a little bit different now, right? With yeah. high school. A little fluid. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Especially with schoolwork and COVID changing yeah. how assignments are turned in and it's just yes. crazy right now. But when they were younger, um, they had bedtimes. And what we would do over here is we would, you know, we'd read a chapter of Proverbs and we'd pray with the girls and then they'd go to bed. They used to have bunk Mm -hmm. beds. And so they went to bed at the same time. Well, then as they got older, the older one got to stay up like an extra half hour later or whatever. Well, at their mom's house, they had their own bedtime routine, whether they would pray or read their Bible or whatever. But typically the bedtime at their mom's house was half an hour to an hour later than it was at our house. Well, that's okay. Cause here's the thing at our house, they also woke up earlier because we have two big dogs and then we used to have mm-hmm. one big, but she, the dog woke up early, which means the people woke up early. Yeah. And so the kids see here. So here's what I, here's the point of all this. The value that we wanted to be consistent was this. We want our kids to get enough sleep to be healthy mm, and functional. Good. Yeah. And so that means over here, if they, if they're going to get woken up earlier, they need to go to bed a little earlier at their mom's house. They didn't have a big dog. 
And until a few years ago, they didn't have a younger brother. Now they've got about a five-year-old little brother. But before he was born, they they could sleep in. So if they didn't have to leave for school till like 720, yeah. they could sleep in until 645 and get ready. Because again, when they were younger, they didn't have makeup to do. They had to curl their hair. <laughs> they, you know what I mean? Like it, yeah. it, it, is, so they could sleep in. Well, that means if they can sleep in an extra 45 minutes or whatever, they can go to bed 45 minutes or an hour later. And yeah. it's not a problem. So yeah. the consistency was not bedtime has to be 830. The right. consistency was we want our kids to be healthy and happy. Yeah. So they need to get enough sleep. What does enough look like? It looks like a certain number of hours. Now, whether yeah. those hours start earlier or later, that's up to you. It's your house. That's yeah. up to me. It's my house. Yeah. But the consistency is let's model this for our children. Yeah. I think that's so important what you said. It's like, it goes back to the value because we can get tripped up on the particulars of it. And, right. and as yep. you're describing, it's not so much about them going to bed at the same time every night at both houses, it's more important that they get the same amount of sleep, right? Yeah, or and just get can, enough sleep. Yeah, yeah, get enough sleep. Like, but, and that that is what diffuses so many arguments and settles so many decisions ahead of time is when we go right. back to that value, when we understand right. the why of what we're doing, yep. and not get caught up in how yeah. or the That's what. That's right. What it looks like is up to you in your house. <clears throat> But yeah. try to mo- so again, we want to model the behaviors of integrity and responsibility and mm-hmm. hard work. And mm-hmm. how we model those things is up to us in our house and up to their mom in their mom's house. Mm-hmm. But we know that we want our kids to be responsible. We know we want our ki- our children to be, you know, God fearing young ladies who treat people mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Those kind of things. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. All right. I love those. All right. So for listeners who are looking to make some changes in their family, can you share a few of the suggested behaviors for blended families? I mean, I know we've covered a lot, but what else would you think that that we could implement almost immediately and see results to get us started in the right direction? Well, if you really want a powerful one that can also be a little bit dangerous, and I say dangerous (laughs) because you you can't have to be very careful in our blended families because I can't predict necessarily. And I certainly can't control what your ex may or may not do or how they might respond. But here's something that's very powerful that you can do. And that is to just whatever method your communication you use, Voxer, email, Mm -hmm. text message, phone call, you Mm -hmm. know, whatever, reach out to the other household and ask a question. What could I do this week that would help you with our kids? Wow. Yeah. What could I do that would help you with our kids? Or what have I done that you would prefer that I do differently. Because one of the hardest things about blended families is you have to have some humility. You, you have mm-hmm. to accept the fact that you cannot get everything your own way. Because yeah. I mean, even in a first family, even in, if you've been married for 20 years, you guys know you can't have everything your own way. Mm-hmm. That's part of marriage. That's part mm-hmm. of any marriage, but especially mm-hmm. if it's part of a second marriage, because now yeah. it's not just you and your spouse, it's you and your spouse and somebody's ex. Yeah. And that's complicated. And so the more that you can try to build bridges of cooperation, the better mm-hmm. off you can be. So again, and it doesn't even have to be anything big. It could just be, hey, listen, I know last time we um, had a disagreement about switch over time, you expressed some frustration. Can you tell me specifically what it was that you would rather me do differently? And you're not mm-hmm. committing yourself to doing it. You're not, you know, you're not being a doormat saying, I'm just going to do whatever they want. <laughs> but you're genuinely asking, is there, yeah. a, again, start with something little like that. You know, mm-hmm. so, you know, the, the kids mentioned that you don't like it when I X. Or what, what could I do differently that would help? Or, mm-hmm. you know, so right now, like as we're recording this, it's pre-holiday season. And so, you know, reach out to them early and ask the question, what 
what are you thinking about for Thanksgiving or Christmas? What are your plans so that we can also make plans? Because what you don't want to do is just make plans and expect the other house to just go along with it. Mm-hmm. that's not really fair to anybody. So reach out to them ahead of time and say, what are you thinking about for holiday plans? Because here's kind of what we were thinking. And I'd love to find a way to compromise it so that we can all be happy about what our mm-hmm. holiday plans are. Mm-hmm. Right. And now the reason I say those could be dangerous is because they, you might not get a friendly message back. But here's the thing. If you don't ever ask, you're not ever getting to have the opportunity to cooperate. Yeah better to at least have the chance to cooperate. And this is where, you know, go through some of the other 10 commandments. One of them is to always show respect. So when you reach out to them, do so respectfully. Don't reach out to them and go, hey, you remember last year how you completely ruined our Thanksgiving plans? I just want to see what your plans were this year to make sure mine aren't going to be ruined. Like that, no, 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 that's not it, right? Instead, reach out to them and say, hey, here's kind of what we were thinking for Christmas, but we haven't firmed those up yet. And I wanted to give you a chance to weigh in and kind of see what your plans are in case we need to make ours more flexible. Yeah. That's that's really powerful because you're showing, yeah, because you're showing them one, that you're showing them respect by acknowledging that they also have a life and that Mm -hmm. it matters. Mm -hmm. And two, you're purposely trying to use cooperation in order to build those bridges. And again, you're showing that to your kids. One of the things I'm most thankful for in our blended family, and I would argue that in our little, you know, we live in a town of less than 30,000 people, small town, Alabama, in our little town, one of the things that we're known for is being a blended family that cooperates pretty well. I went to a basketball game last week where my daughter was cheering. It was her first, she's first time cheerleader. It's her first ever, you know, event to cheer at. And I ended up sitting with their mom for like 45 minutes and just talking with her while Mm -hmm. our daughter was cheering. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, I know that's not usual, but it's not uncommon for us because we've been doing yeah. that for years now. Right. It wasn't always that way, but it's not unusual for kids to see us at events together. Like for a while, my daughter played, my younger daughter played basketball and her stepdad was the head coach and I was the assistant coach. And then when she played soccer, I was the head coach and her stepdad was the assistant coach and the kids on the team couldn't remember which one was the stepdad and which one was the boss. Yeah. <laughs> and that was okay because right. that meant that both of us were treating her well enough to where it wasn't obvious like, oh, well, that's her dad and that's just her stepdad mm-hmm. or that's her stepdad and that's just her dad. Like, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. We're, we're trying to set a good example for our kids by being loving and being kind. And I was really thankful for the opportunity to do that sort of thing. And obviously mm-hmm. it, it became easier to remember which one was which because I'm short and her stepdad is tall. So <laughs> like, oh, the, the short, that's her dad. Well, that's easy because my kids are tiny as well. So, yeah, you know, but you know, that, that sort of thing, reach out and, and build bridges. My, and I'm, I'm thankful my wife and my ex-wife have done that too. They've planned birthday parties together. They've done some Christmas shopping together. They've mm-hmm. coordinated what they were going to do for, for kids events together. And again, it hasn't always been easy. It hasn't always been the most fun that they've ever had. Um, <laughs> but the fact that they're trying to do those things well yeah. for our children has been huge. I'm very mm-hmm. thankful to my ex-wife for being willing to let my wife be part of those things. And I'm thankful to my wife for being willing to be part of those things. Cause it'd be really yeah. easy for her as a stepmom to go, I'm just not going to have anything to do with it because that's their mom's place. And I don't want to step on any toes. Mm-hmm. Well, that's true. But at the same time, she's also willing to be invited in and, and do those things. And, and let me just say this to any of your listeners who are step parents, God bless you, because that is a hard gig. hundred percent. I would not sign up for it. I'm not kind enough. I'm not patient enough. I'm not gentle enough. I ju- I'm just not, I know this about myself because step parents, here's what you're, whether you know it or not, here's what you signed up for. You signed up for all the hard parts of parenting, the, the wiping mm-hmm. of butts. If they're little, the cleaning of messes, the making of lunches, the running of errands, you, you signed up for all of that. 
and you signed up for none of the guaranteed good parts. You're not guaranteed kindness. You're not guaranteed respect. You're not guaranteed love. You're not guaranteed obedience. You you signed up for all the crap and none of the rewards that are guaranteed. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a really hard gig. So yeah. Step parents, God bless you because man's sakes alive, that's hard to do. And you guys are are wonderful. And again, it's a wonderful display of the gospel. You're choosing to love kids who aren't biologically yours because Mm -hmm. you're just choosing to love them. Well, that's what Jesus does for us. He chose to love us just because he did, not because we're awesome, but because he just loves us. Yeah. And, and and so I think step parents, I think you have a really powerful ministry and I think you have a really powerful example to set for those mm-hmm. kids. So mm-hmm. I think that's a, that's an important thing to remember as well. When, when life's just crap and when you're really struggling, just remember the unique opportunity you have to live out the gospel in front of kids who desperately need it because they've already seen brokenness. They've yeah. already seen hurt. They need yeah. to see love. They need to see fellowship. They need to see sacrifice and, and you have a chance to show them that. Yeah. That's an incredible shift in perspective for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we're going to wrap up. So tell us a little bit about the services that you offer about your podcast and even about the resources that you have available. Yeah. Thank you. I love getting to share about this stuff. So I have a few different websites you can check out that have different resources. Hopefully these will all be collated into one Mm -hmm. place soon, but you can check them out at uh, realifeleading.com. I've been on something like I think 90 or 95 podcasts, much like yours, that make me really happy because I get to share about blended family life and leadership mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. You can find mm-hmm. those there. Also, uh, check out information at stepdadding.com. You can also find me at joelwhallbaker.com. And I do presentations for churches, uh, schools, you know, conferences, things like that, retreats. But I also do blended family coaching. So if your family's just struggling and needs some one-on-one help, I do a, an eight-week coaching program. And uh, you can find information about that as well. I also have some free resources that I share. The, the easiest one is the, ten, the Complete Blended Family Toolkit. Mm-hmm. It includes the five discussions every blended family needs to have, the 10 commandments for blended families, the 10 suggested behaviors for blended families, and it also includes a seven-day devotional based on Proverbs for blended families. And that's just free. You email me. I'll send you the PDF of it mm-hmm. because I want you to have it. And I I love being able to do that. I I love this ministry. I love being able to share with people that are part of blended families that maybe don't understand exactly how hard it's going to be. I saw a great post on social media the other day. Someone said it was a step parent and they said, yes, I know what I was signing up for. I just didn't know it was going to be this hard. Hmm. And I asked my wife, I said, is this accurate? She said, some days, absolutely it is. I said, okay, that's really good to know because I've never been a step parent. Yeah. I don't know. And then finally, my podcast, thank you for asking. It's called 10, that's the number 10, 10, 10 CBF, 10 Commandments for Blended Families, mm-hmm. a podcast for blended families. You can find it on pretty much anywhere where you find podcasts. I record on Anchor, so it's easy to find me there. But you know, it, it's all about these 10 Commandments for Blended Families. The first three episodes were the 10 Commandments, and then my blended family story, and then my wife and I actually interviewing each other which was a lot of fun. And then since then I've got, you know, I've done 10 or 12 other interviews with blended family experts and just to get more information and to point people Mm -hmm. in the uh, direction of good resources. Cause Mm -hmm. you know, I love my coaching services. I love the things that I have to offer, but different people connect with different coaches in different ways. Mm -hmm. And so every, after those first three episodes, pretty much every other episode is an interview with someone and shares all of their resources to say, hey, here's another person who works yeah. in this field and they could help you. And it would be great if you checked out their stuff 
yeah. as well. So um, thank you for asking about those. I, I love getting to do this. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, this was super, uh, super insightful. And I learned a lot. I mean, all of these principles that we talked about can be applied to non-blended families. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. 100%. So thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, Kimberly, thank you. I've had a wonderful time and I really appreciate the opportunity to to speak with you and with your listeners. And again, if anybody wants to connect with me, please do so. And I would love to answer whatever questions you've got or just be a listening ear if you're struggling. You can find Joel at www.joelhawbaker.com. He's on Instagram as Joel W. Hawbaker. You can also find him at stepdadding.com and at reallifeleading.com. I'll link to all of this, plus some of the other places you can find him in the show notes. If you want to dig deeper into what we talk about on the podcast each week, check out the Build Your Best Family Facebook group. It's where we hang out with some fabulous women and we practice what we've learned. There's also encouragement, group coaching, and incredible resources there too. Remember, Family culture is not about perfect, it's about purpose.